It's Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Iris Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and all state insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, first of all, Chet, I am glad to be back. Great job covering for me while I was gone. Uh, and we certainly have plenty to talk about, as always. The Eagles, let's start with them. They're awful. Uh, gee whiz, we'll talk about that. The Flyers are off to a 2-1-1 one one start with a three-game Western Canada trip starting tonight. The Sixers are 2-2 two and two after last night's ugly beat down at the hands of the Knicks. And there's trouble in Happy Valley after Nittany Lions clunker against Illinois. Uh, not been a great week in Philly sports, but maybe most importantly, Chet, we're going to talk beer. We are going to cover it all tonight. Yeah, Bill, after the weekend we had with the Nittany Lions and Eagles, you know, the beer segment couldn't, couldn't come at a better time. But, you know, I've been on a bit of a diet lately, so I, I've lost a little weight. I don't know if you can tell. I hope I look okay for our little show tonight. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, watching football. I'm just kidding. Watching the Eagles and watching Penn State could make you look like that because there was some <laughs> awful football this weekend. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that uh, with our first guest, the offensive tackle of the 1994 Penn State Nittany Lions, considered by many the greatest offense in the history of college football, the host of the Goon and Ironhead show from LaSalle High School, Philly's own Keith Goon Conlon will be joining us. Yeah, we got a good one for you tonight, Dan. You mentioned that it is National American Beer Day. There is some sort of a faux beer holiday pretty much every couple of weeks, it seems. But uh, I'm going to celebrate tonight with, well, let's go with a Sam Adams tonight, okay? Right here. Sam Adams Oktoberfest, all right? Because I'm going to say the Yingling, Yingling's Hershey's Porter for you, Bill. I know that you said that. That sounded really tasty. It doesn't <laughs> even sound good. Like, what's it? Is it like I drinking know. a chocolate milkshake or what? What, what in the world Not is Not quite it? like that. No, there's a little okay. chocolatey flavor to it, but it's not bad. But later in the show, we are going to talk beer with the guys from Bitchin' Kitten Brewery in Morrisville, Pennsylvania. It is exactly 11 and a half minutes from my house, so I think they're going to be seeing a lot of me over the next <laughs> few months and years. But yeah, we do have lots to talk about regarding the Eagles and Nittany Lions, so shall we get it going? Yep. Uh, do we have Goon ready to go yet? Is he with us? I see somebody hanging with us. Let's see if it's him. That looks like there him. There he is. What's speaking up, boys? Of, speaking of beer connoisseurs, they might be. I guarantee you, Goon's not liking chocolate beer. Ah, uh, <laughs> you'd be surprised. I tried most of it. There you go. All right, my book. I, don't uh, I hear you. Well, Goon, Goon hey, did anything. you get to hear my introduction? I gave you like the grand introduction. Were you back yep. there yet? Uh, with the uh, the O line thing, the, the offensive. Offensive tackle, 1994 Penn State Nittany yep. Lions, considered by many the greatest offense in the history of college football. The host of the Goon and Ironhead show <sighs> from LaSalle High School, Philly's own Keith Goon Conlon. It's we can do some uh, offensive line play up around here right about now. My <laughs> God almighty, that was horrible. <laughs> Yes, it uh, was. Well, Keith, full disclosure, when we booked you a few weeks ago, the Nittany yeah. Lions were undefeated and number two or three in the country, I think. And we figured we'd be talking about a huge Penn State, Ohio State show down this weekend out at the Horseshoe. 
things don't always work out as planned. So thank you for not canceling. Ah, <laughs> the, the, the first obvious question is, we know Sean Clifford got hurt a few weeks ago, but is that the only reason for the devastating loss this past Saturday on a homecoming weekend out in Happy Valley, or is there more to it than that? I Honest to God, I mean, how bad must the third string guy be that they're not even willing to put, you know, they, they weren't even willing to put the second guy in this week, but the third guy two weeks ago, and then well, the, 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 the most upsetting thing to me was they've had two weeks to prepare to get healthy and rebound from a loss. You come back for homecoming, you know, you have a bye week, all of this. Uh, I mean, everything was set up very, very nice for this season to go down. Uh, and you know, it, it just got butchered in a, in a, in a good two-week span. Uh, you know, if Sean Clifford is healthy throughout the whole Iowa game, yes, I think we win, but I don't think anybody talks about PJ Mustafer, the defensive tackle getting hurt. That hurt a lot this week. I mean, I mean, the most, how many, how many great running backs have played at Beaver stadium? And I, Illinois had the most ever rushing against the Penn state team at Beaver stadium this weekend. That's insane. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. 300 plus yards. But, you know, Goon, I was going to ask you, you've been, been around this game forever uh have you ever seen a situation where you had the game plan or you saw a coach game plan around an injured player basically they knew that clifford couldn't run the ball so that was that was out so that was out of their game plan and their game plan was that they were going to try to run the football something they have not done well all season long and illinois smacked them in the face and uh you know they got what they got I mean, it's pretty easy to stop a run-pass option if you don't have an option to run it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's like, you know, you, you guys remember 10, 10 12, 15 years ago, uh, Daryl Clark was the, the star quarterback. You know, NFL, or, I'm sorry, Big Ten player, the offensive player of the year. But but the first six games of the year, they weren't running him because they didn't, they didn't trust their backup quarterback enough. So their whole offensive complexion was changed because the defense – they, they make throw on us. That's what you got to do. And we weren't making the throws or we weren't making the catches this past Saturday. Uh, what do you think about Sean Clifford? Is he going to be healthy? I know they had a news conference yesterday and they said yeah. he's a lot better than he was just, you know, a few days ago. Uh, I mean, they're still going to have their work cut out for them, of course, going out to Ohio State. They're big underdogs. Is he going to be okay, do you think? I mean, def- you know, within a 72-hour, you could tell he was still hurt during that game to a Tuesday press conference when James Franklin says, oh, he's a hundred percent. I don't know if he's a hundred percent now, or he's going to be a hundred percent by Saturday, but you know, that changes Penn state's whole offensive game plan, in my opinion, and, uh, and uh, Ohio state's defensive game plan. Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to ask you, there's a coach that you played for up there, uh, Joe Paterno, who had one of his favorite sayings was, you're never as good as you think you are when you win, and you're never as bad as you think you lose. Uh, is Penn State this bad what we saw in these last two weeks, do you think? Or is it directly related to Clifford? And if he's healthy, can they yeah. compete with Ohio State? Before we went into Iowa, I mean, we thought they could. We thought they could beat them. Yeah. That Iowa game, it was telling that first quarter because I was like, you know, were I, it was Iowa that good. And, you know, you sort of had that thought that Purdue was going to do what they did to them the next week. But uh, so are we really that good? Because we beat up on Iowa that first quarter with a Sean, are we going to be that good to go out to Ohio state this week and play in, you know, what's easily probably considered the, you know, the hardest place to play in the big 10 on a Saturday night game. 
you know, late this Halloween weekend. It's going to be crazy as hell out there. I hope our guys are ready. And, you know, I know you guys want to get into it with the, with the Franklin thing, and, I, and then we can, but, like, if they don't perform out there this week, I think that they're done. I mean, I really think that they just quit on Franklin. I mean, I, I, that's just how I think. If they go out there and roll an egg and just lay an egg and don't want to play and just take a beat and by 30 or 40 points, I think it's just – it's 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 over. I really well, do. Let, let's talk about Franklin. Uh, even with these two losses, there's a lot of discussion that he's very much a candidate for jobs at USC in particular and maybe LSU. Uh, I heard a report today that USC really wants him and is confident they can get him. I don't know. What are you hearing about that? I mean, I don't really know, I mean, the scuttlebutt more than anything you guys hear, I mean, just because I live up here, but, uh, I mean, let's just think about it out loud. I mean, think about, I mean, JR ain't going to like this, but USC loves their flashy, glitzy, like, TV-savvy coaches. They've had success with them in the past. They had Pete Carroll up there. They want to get back to what Pete Carroll was doing for them. Does Luke Fickle bring that to the table? I don't think so. I don't think he has a personality that works. Can James Franklin woo a crowd on television and and in you know in Hollywood on a weekly basis? And the answer is yes. You know he's very good with that. And uh, you know no, it's not it's not a knock on him. It's just his personality. He's an outgoing personality. You know, but the, the you know the knocks on him right now are game is game day stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, Goon. I was going to ask you. You know. That you mentioned the quarterback situation. The number two quarterback is the starting quarterback at Kentucky. Yeah. The number three quarterback is the third quarterback at Oklahoma, <laughs> um, which really, I guess, the guy now is the fourth guy. Um, transfer portal uh, is, is tough. And, you know, do you get a feel for being around there that it's is the reason guys are bailing is so they can go try to play immediately it didn't work out for the guy going to Oklahoma or is it is there problems inside the program and a lot of guys are bailing out you and I well, talked I about that we, early on when Franklin first took over a bunch of guys left I mean it just the, the downside of the, of the of, of the whole portal is it's just like you can't discipline anybody anymore you can't hold anything over players heads you know they're just going to say well you don't want to travel me you don't want to play me this weekend I'm leaving I'm going I'm going to wherever you know and the coach can't say anything about it. it it's going to ruin the game. Uh, that was the first step towards ruining the game, in my opinion. Uh, but the, the problem is in the offseason, you know, okay, this is take James Franklin. And, you know, he has to re-recruit 85 of his scholarship guys. He has to do it every year. So you know how you recruit. You kiss ass, you know, you shake mommy and daddy's hands, tell them how much you love them, and, you know, you're going to make them into a man. But, you know you got to do that every year and you're going to answer to, well, why is my son not playing? Why is this and that, you know, he can leave and, you know, having to keep those star recruits. I mean, we're learning. We don't have much depth. Not many people have much depth anymore because guys are so hesitant to, Oh, I'm not going to start. Okay. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Hey Keith, I'm going to show you a picture from, I think it was 1994. Some uh, young man right here. <laughs> what do you remember about those days? Uh, the undefeated season, the perfect cool. season. You should have been the national champions. You ever miss those days? Uh, of course you miss them. <laughs> uh, I always say you always miss the, you know, the 12 and 13 Saturdays is what you really miss. I mean, yeah. you don't miss the other, you know, 350 days where you got to, 
you know, fight and work and it's a, you know, a year round thing, but it is what it is. And, you know, I'm like every other football player to ever play the game. People would ask, would you do it again? I would say absolutely. And twice on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. Number and you, uh, you still have a great relationship with your, uh, with your offensive line buddies. You guys are. are is that the, word, the way they say it? Anymore? My, you, You're breaking up a bit there, Bill. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let me try again. I say you're still uh, tight with all of your offensive line buddies from that that team. You guys uh, still yeah. like to do some stuff together whenever you can, even though you're you're spread out. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, we got. I mean, I live here, so I'm a centric guy. So when guys come into town, they'll usually hit me up, and a lot of guys come in and work for business and stuff like that. So they'll spend a day here, a day there, and it's always good having somebody here. And I'm, I like being that guy with all my buddies. Keith, uh, can we talk about the Eagles for just a couple of minutes? <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> Another very pleasant situation. Uh, and the latest today, I happened to tune in just in time to catch Nick Sirianni's um, midweek news conference. Yep. And I didn't get to cut the audio, but he did say something about flowers. Yeah, Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni saying uh, you got to – he showed the team a picture of a flower with roots under the soil, explaining to them that even if the results aren't showing, there is growth under the soil. He told them that everyone in the building needs to be fertilized for the Eagles flower to bloom. And he went on for about a minute and a half about this. What's a guy like Fletcher Cox or, you know, Darius Slay or some veteran, how are they going to react to something like that? It's, it's, it's a lot like what he's doing. He's very high schoolish. Like those little, yeah. You know, I'm, he's trying to buy the fans, in in my opinion, with, the, you know, he's wearing his Dr. J jerseys, his Iverson throwback. And he, I mean, it's, a, it's all for show. And it's, you know, I'm not a fan of the general manager. And I think that they've hired him because he could be, you know, a puppet of the regime up top. And and it's a scary thing that, you know, what, three, four years out of a Super Bowl, five years. And, you know, you're already, you know, drafting in the top five again. It's crazy to think it's gone that, that far that fast. You know, Goon, I, the first thing that came to my mind is I think they're playing like fertilizer. <laughs> no doubt about it. I mean, look at, you know, UCLA, John Wooden with it, with his, you know, the, the, the pyramid concept of, you know, what the team was and this. And you know, it's going to work with 17 to 22-year-old, 20-year-old kids. Right. It's not going to work with grown men who are making more money than you. And they don't need, I mean, they that's their job. They let them do their job and you put them in the right position to do their job. Yeah. Well, hey, Goon, you know, I don't think you probably saw the Fletcher Cox comments after the game. Uh, a lot of frustration there. Yeah. Um, but well, what do you take from the fact that th this guy says, my job is to sack the quarterback? No, it's not. Your job is to be an all-around defensive lineman and be great at it. You're an all-pro making a lot of money. Uh, frustration talking or getting away from him a little bit? I think we're – I think that the coaches are losing those guys slowly, and I think that losing Fletcher and – I think he might be the mouthpiece of that defense. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that they're being put in the right position and they're not playing. They're not, they're, they're being asked to do jobs that they're not. I mean, Fletcher Cox job to get upfield, you know, disrupt, be that, be that mad, mad three technique. They got to double team and make somebody else better. And they've got, they found they've been looking for years and it's not been found. Hey, I want to play something real quick. This is a, a five second cut from a guy that we all know and respect, and it pretty much sums up the Eagles season. This is Ray Dinger. You got major problems on offense, but you got a defense right now that can't stop anything. 
That's pretty much it in the nutshell. <laughs> yeah. You can say the same thing about the Kansas City Chiefs right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just crazy to think about, but it's true. I mean, you know, Andy was known for, you know, building from the from the meat out. And, you know, we got away from that. And now they have too. But look, I mean, you and all the all the the great outside guys and quarterbacks you have and great, but you gotta have the meat up front and uh, and on defense and offense. What's the what's the reaction going to be in and around Philadelphia this coming Sunday night, Monday, if the Eagles lose to the Detroit Lions? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Will it be more of okay? Well, okay, we might be securing the first overall pick, and you know, is there a first overall pick again? I mean, think about that. It really isn't one one clear cut like number one guy out there, is there? No, no, no right? probably not right now, right? Yeah, so we're gonna go into the whole you know the OJ Simpson draft thing back in the day, and then you know the McNabb thing when oh by the way Cleveland has a new team now, so you you're the worst team in football, but you get the second pick. <laughs> right. Oh, you uh, what do you think about the offense as it's being run? Uh, you know, you know Miles Sanders, and uh, you know he's a good player, uh, not being used very much. What do you think of this RPO, very uh, very high schoolish offense, if you will? It seems. I mean, think about what what with the way football is being run right now. You're 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 finding where are your drop back quarterbacks in college football right now? I mean, you had the last great one is you know you got what Justin Herbert in the league right now. He's like a gunslinger. Then you have uh, Josh Allen who came from what Wyoming. You know, I mean, you don't people aren't coaching football at the young age right now, where they're where they're teaching what we are used to as as drop back quarterbacks. It's all about the RPO. It's all about you know you put the ball in your like, when you were a kid when you guys were kids growing up, the fastest kid on the team became the running back. But now the fastest kid on the team is not a quarterback because they want the ball in his hands most of the time as a playmaker. So that's changed and it's worked its way up through high school and now college and now the professionals they they're not. I mean, who are your really, really star quarterbacks are going to be your drop back guys, but college is not producing them anymore. Yeah. Goon, tough times for uh, both the Eagles and the Lions, obviously. I heard about it. I hope. I hope. I heard about a half hour of your uh, Goon and Ironhead show yesterday. And where does this rank among bad Penn State losses in recent memory? I'm telling you right now, it was the worst loss. I was more mad if you listen to it yesterday. I was more pissed off than I believe 2014 when Maryland came to State College and refused to shake our hands. Yeah. And then proceeded to beat the hell out of us. And I was like, well, you guys have any kind of balls or toughness or anything whatsoever, and you did nothing. And that really upset me. But this past week, there was just it was just like there was no life, no, no fight at all. Uh you know, it, was there a anything said between the defense and the offense? I I know the defense was getting shredded with the run, but they only gave up 10 points. And that, they, yeah. they, they, they bend, but it didn't break. And, you know, that's going to cause a big riff in there if that offense doesn't pick it up. Yeah. I, I can't remember in since 1968 or so when I first started watching Penn State football, the offensive line being this bad. There's just, there's just nothing there. It's just nothing there that I see. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been there in how long. I mean, they've been, you, you know – what was the year they were good? Is they had Saquon Barkley, who's a generational college football talent. Uh, you know, I, I, it's just crazy how we have not you – know, that schools have not been able – not many schools are producing great offensive linemen or even great offensive lines. And, you know, we've been struggling for 10-plus years to look for a good offensive line. 
Yeah. Goon, final question from me. Uh, you didn't lose a whole lot when you were out there from 91 to 95. Penn State was 49 and 12, I believe. Not a whole lot of losing streaks. Penn State right now has just lost two games. They're going out to Ohio State. What does James Franklin do to try to get this thing back on track? I, he's got to change whatever he's been doing after a loss. He's, I, you know, he's, I think I saw a stat the other day, not just wins and losses, but against the spread, he's four and 21 after a loss in the big 10. I mean, that's just crazy to think about. So, wow. you know, your football players, you get it. You got to have a, a short memory. You got to put last week and week, be, be two weeks behind you and you got to get out there and roll it out there. And, you know, his coaching has got to be, Hey, we can save this thing. We, you know, it starts this week and we, it, it, if we, you know, it can be salvaged, but if you don't go out there and play, we're going to get boat race and it's going to be, you know, then it's going to be, you know, just done. So he's literally coaching for his coaching future, in my opinion, because of this team. You know, I can't imagine, you know, going out and, you know, going on a four or five game skid to end this season. It's going to go over well after last year. I really don't. Yeah. Hey, hey Goon, one final question for me too. Uh, a throw, another throwback question. Uh, you and your offensive line mates got to go be part of your quarterback, Kerry Collins, induction into the College Football Hall of Fame a couple years ago. Uh, how much fun was that to yeah. be part of that and Kerry inviting you guys out there? Uh, I'm kind of thinking, because I know you a little bit, you guys probably had a pretty good time. Oh, yeah. We had a very good time. We went up the, the night before. Uh, he had, I, I believe there's a couple families in, in – in the New York city area who are huge Penn state donors who anytime a Penn state guy gets put in the hall of fame, they, they actually rent out the downtown athletic club clubhouse, like bar room for a Penn state centric, you know, you know, honor the guy type of thing. So you go up there and you, you have a lot of the, the, the big wigs at, at school and then a lot of big wigs from coach, but you know, the college football hall of fame is pretty damn awesome. You just turn around, you're bumping into this person or that person. And, you know, you just remember, you know, I remember playing against that guy. I remember reading about guy, watching that guy. It was pretty cool. So hopefully I'll be getting up there a little bit more with our running backs and our tight ends and our, you know, wide receivers and maybe even one of my offensive linemen get in there. And probably you'll enjoy a yep. beer or two. Yeah, cool. Yes, we shall. <laughs> hey, Goon, one last thing before you go. Uh, where can people listen to the Goon and Ironhead show? When's it on? What uh, I watch it. But uh, yeah, when, when's it's it all Facebook-centric, uh, you know, Twitter, Goon and Ironhead show. Uh, it's uh, all through Facebook and, and StreamYard like you guys have. We have it on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and I believe uh, LinkedIn plus Facebook. So check it out on Facebook. Listen to it anytime, but we, we record them live three to four every Tuesday and Thursday from Quicker Stick and Lube here in State College. Beautiful. All Good right. deal, my friend. Thanks See for joining us. Thank you very time. much. Let's go. All Thanks, right. You. See you, buddy. Take care, guys. All right. Hey, Chad, uh, this is the time of the show that we always give a shout-out to our sponsor, Dave Boy at Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. And tonight, we're going to skip that, um, our usual read, and wish Dave a fast recovery. Uh, he was in an accident last week, uh, last Friday. Um, I spoke with Dave's wife last night. Uh, Dave is out of intensive care finally, still in the hospital. He's all he got a lot of busted-up things going on, and uh, – we certainly want to wish Dave uh, Dave the best, that's for sure. Yeah, you and I last year, Bill, early last year, right before COVID hit, got to hang out with Dave and some other friends down in Florida. Dave is the second from the right, if you're looking at the video here. And he's a real good guy. And as you said, he is now on the road to recovery. And we certainly do wish him the very best. We know 
Dave has good insurance at any rate. That's right. And, and I will tell you, uh, just while I was on my northern trip just a few weeks ago, uh, the, the night before we left, I think it was, yeah, one or two nights before we left, most of that same group you just said in that picture, we were all out to dinner together. So uh, I was out with Dave and Pat, and uh, we certainly wish him the best. Get well, pal. He's, I, I got a feeling he might be listening tonight. All right. Get well, Dave. All right, Chet, let's talk Sixers. Uh, two and two after losing to the Knicks last night. Uh, since I missed D Lineham joining us last week, I didn't get to say my piece. So here you go, pal. This is the last time okay. you'll ever hear me say the name Ben Simmons. That's it. <laughs> really? Ever. I don't care if he's playing here, I don't care if he's playing somewhere else. He is everything against what a team is about, against what coaching is about. He's a spoiled rich kid. You will never hear me utter his name again. Time's yours. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with you about him being a spoiled rich kid, a brat, uh, a bit of an a-hole, all of that stuff. I don't know if you said <laughs> I that, say but that. I'm, saying, I'm saying that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's one thing, then it's another thing as far as why he's not playing. And now it's the whole, you know, not mentally ready yet, which – could be a cop out. I don't know. I said I don't think he's ever going to play with them. D Lineham last week said there's no way he's going to play, but now all of a sudden it's sounding like he might. You know, they're supposedly getting him some help with the emotional stuff. And I, I don't like the way this is heading. I mean, it sounds like they're going to try to bring him back and eventually trade him. I can't imagine him staying here. So it, it's just a mess. I, I would think that there are a lot of people that think the way I do on this. Uh, you know, I, Andrew Bynum, I think was my, probably number one on my, <laughs> my dislike list of Philadelphia athletes ever. Ben Simmons, who hey, you remember, I said he was Mr. Triple double could score triple doubles every night. Uh, he ain't that guy. He don't have the heart to be, to be a star. And it, it's, you know, for, he's basically thrown the organization under the bus because now they're pointing the fingers. Well, why didn't you unload them? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You know, then now, now you're down to the coach. Okay, why is the coach not doing something about it? Well, he did. He threw him out of practice. Now that now the players are involved, it's a, it's a toxic situation. The guy has to go, and if he goes to South Beach and hangs out with his Kardashian girlfriends or Ken Jenner's, that's fine. Don't come to Philadelphia. Don't come anywhere now around anything I'm ever going to watch. Yeah, I don't really want him back. I really, really don't. And now. I'm worried about Embiid also. I mean, we're four games into the season. He's been questionable for the last three. He didn't look like himself the last two games. He was awful in the loss to the Knicks. Didn't get a field goal in the second half. Uh, you got to think maybe he should have had that surgery on the knee rather than let the meniscus, you know, try to heal by itself. He's already, you know, banged up and we're not even a week and a half into the season. So it's a concern. There was a headline story today on 97.5, of the Fanatics website. Is it time to worry about Joel Embiid? And the answer is yes. You know, every year we go through this. And now with Simmons not there, the guy you don't want to mention, it, it is taking more of a toll on Embiid because he's more of the focal point for the other team defensively. And that's a lot of wear and tear on him physically and I guess mentally. And I, I can't imagine he's going to make it through the month of November without missing a few games. So I predicted 47 wins this year, 47 and 35. And now I'm starting to wonder if even that's going to happen because I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy.
Yeah, well, and you know, I'm I'm already on the record last year of saying they'll never win a championship with Joel Embiid, you know, and that's when he had been that other guy. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I just, I, if he's really hurt, he needs to shut it down, or he should have fixed it in the offseason. Yeah, or He needs I to agree. shut it down, and he needs to get healthy. This not knowing night to night if he's going to play or not is not, again, it's a selfish action. And people want to give him credit because, oh, he played hurt. No, he's hurt. And he just, just like Sean Clifford, you know, yeah. he, he tried to gut it out for his team to win, but he hurt his team playing hard. He was playing hard, but he hurt his team. And that's what happens with Embiid as well. Yeah, there's a fine line there. You know, you want to be the man and play hard, but if you're hurting the team, it's just not worth it. That's yep. it for now. No more Sixers talk tonight. Well, hey, let's talk about something that makes me happier, like beer. <laughs> All right. Today is National Beer Day, as you said. So why not uh, tell us about what is it? Bitchin' Kitchen Brewery. Bitchin' Kitten, not Kitchen. Kitten. Bitchin I had Kitten. Kitten. I thought maybe I put it down <laughs> wrong. How did you meet Michael Crossan, Tony Caselli, and Scott Willis, and how did they end up on Philly Press Box Radio? Well, Morrisville, as I mentioned at the top, is right over the bridge from Trenton and Hamilton, close to where I live. And I've seen signs, you know, for a few months now about this new craft brew pub that was opening up there. And they did finally open to the public just a couple of weeks back. So I, of course, felt obligated to go check it out. It's just it's what I do. And then I thought, hmm, I like beer. I like supporting local small businesses. I should have them on the show and, you know, help the business a little bit more. So I talked to the owner when I was in there the first time, Michael, he agreed and we set it up. He brought a couple of his other guys from the pub with him on the interview. And well, we talked Monday night and here we are airing that as it turns out on national American beer day. So let's get to it. And here we are. We talked mostly Philly sports on here, of course, but you know, the way the last couple of seasons regarding the eagles and phillies have gone you understand why we get away from that on occasion often it's music or beer when we do that and yeah this week we're talking with a couple of the guys three of the guys actually from a brand new craft brewery in morrisville pennsylvania the bitchin kitten i do love that name let's bring these guys on we say hello to brewery co-owner michael crossan restaurant manager tony paselli and the head brewer that would be scott wills hey guys Hey, thanks for having us. All right, Michael, you're sitting there right in the front, so let me start with you. Your official opening was October 15th. I've been there a couple of times already. The last two Saturday afternoons I popped in, and it looks like you're off to a really great start over there on Bridge Street. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. We've just been embraced by the community. There's so many people that are just like, we're so glad you're here. New business in the area, uh, giving people something that's unique and different in like all of Bucks County. You know, it's just great to see that feedback where people are like, hey, this is terrific. I'm two blocks away and I just walk over, have a beer and uh, relax and have a good time. And I know you've been planning this for quite a while, Michael. You've been home brewing for ages. Uh, what made you and your wife, I guess, decide to go ahead and do this as a business? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It was about two years ago and Scott and I were at the uh, Yardley Beer and Wine Festival and we were working on some stuff and we just said, you know, hey, let's, you know, brew a beer, see how it goes. And it was kind of cool. It was judged not by, uh, you know, snobby craft beer panel, but by the actual people that were there. Everybody had a ticket. Whichever one you liked the most, you left your ticket. Whoever had the most tickets, you won. And so we thought we'd have fun of it, uh, fun with it. We've been using the name Bitch and Kitten Brewery for, you know, the beer I've been making out of my 
bathtub in my apartment 25 years ago, you know, we made shirts for ourselves with pictures of my cats and stuff. And, and people just really reacted to it. They were just like, where's your brewery located? Where can I buy this? I want to buy a keg. I need six packs. And I'm like, I'm making this out of my kitchen. You know, we just kind of made this all up. And we saw that people really connected with it. And we said, you know, there might be a real opportunity for doing something different here. Turns out we came in second place, which gave us a lot of encouragement, which was cool. And then from there, we just kind of started developing a strategy, looking into it, saying, you know, what would we need to do from a business perspective? We think we built a really, really strong branding campaign that people have really reacted to. And the whole thing with that is, you know, finding your flock and birds of a feather fly together. And I think we're doing a really good job finding our flock. All right. Now, Tony, you manage the bar and restaurant. In addition to the craft beer, of course, you also serve cocktails and wine from local wineries and food. I guess sliders, finger foods, whatnot. What are the most popular food items that you guys have there, Tony? I would say um, our beer cheese dip, uh, our beer. We have several vegan uh, options that are really flying off. Our chef, Tim, has actually converted me. Um, I started eating a lot of the vegan stuff. And um, that's pretty hard to do, but yeah, he's converted me and I'm actually, when I leave here, he made me something yesterday to eat and I thought it was a cheeseburger, but it was a beer burger, a, a vegan beer burger. <laughs> nice. Now, to be clear, the Bitchin' Kitten is not a sports bar, but you do have some TVs in there. So what are going to be on these uh, TV screens eventually? So eventually we're going to be using those for uh, a lot of promotion and we'll do menus and stuff on them. But uh, we actually did have some conversations about, you know, do we want to show sports or not? You know, there's other places that show sports and we didn't want to be known as like a sports bar type of thing or, or try and even compete in that market. But uh, yeah, I think we're definitely going to do a little work this week and uh, get the Eagles game on there for next week. I don't know if that's a good idea or not the way they're playing, but uh, let's talk a little bit about sports. I know you're into MMA and boxing, you said, Michael. What about uh, you other guys? You sports fans, Tony and Scott? Huge sports fans. See, uh, Philly season tickets for years. I had four seats right and left field. I've been to the World Series games. I was there in 1980 when I was 15. Wow. That's awesome. Big Flyers. Uh, I knew Bobby Clark and Reggie Leach and all those guys. They used to come over to my aunt's house all the time. So that's how you I became, told me that. Yeah, wow, that's a cool school. That's a pretty yeah, cool. I remember, I remember my brother sitting on Jack McElarty's uh, lap crying because the guy was like, he looked like a monster. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan. Huge sports fan. All, all four. Scott, how about you? Uh, I sure love uh, Phillies baseball. But really, if you, I went to graduate school in University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. So uh, if you cut me, I bleed Carolina blue. You mentioned hockey. We've had Brian Propp and uh, Bill Barber and Bob the Hound Kelly on our show several times. All great guys. Yes, nice. I, I've met them all. They're all nice guys. Yeah, ho hockey guys are just like that. Yeah. So, Michael, despite the name Bitch and Kitten, you don't have any cats wandering around there. I think there are laws against that sort of thing. Bucks County Board of Health would have a couple problems yeah. with that. You have a bunch of them at home, though, right? Yeah, actually, we have six rescues. And we just had a foster uh, little baby called uh, Rose. She was so cute, but had to get her out of the house because I saw my wife was getting, like, bonding with her immediately. I was like, it's going to turn into seven. Somebody adopt her. So she did. She's in good hands right now. But, uh, yeah, we enjoy the cats. Uh, they're a lot of fun. There are some days where I'm walking through my house and six cats are scurrying around near my feet. And, uh, yeah, I, I have too many cats, that's for sure. But uh, I love them all. They're all really 
really neat, really unique, and uh, all very well trained too. And for people who want to know, they can find out how the name Bitch and Kitten came about. It's an interesting story, but we're not going to get into that right now. I do want to talk a little more beer. Now, the one and only negative thing so far, Michael, may be the fact that you've only had a limited variety of beers available, just three or four to start, three the last couple of Saturdays when I was in there. Although I will say that the two that I had, the Honest Abe's Tabby and American Golden Ale and Cattle Lantern Imperial Pumpkin Ale were both terrific. And now the good news, I guess, Scott, is that uh, you got several new brews on the way in the weeks ahead, right? That's right. We were just before this call, we were uh, planning out our next six brews, I guess, before we're, we've got our schedule worked out through Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, we have 12 taps here and our goal is to get those things filled up as soon as we can. Give me a, give me a little preview. What are some of the ones we can look forward to? It's got... Uh, okay, yeah. Um, well, we have to we have to do some repeats because things like the Honest Days Tabby are going so quick. So that'll yeah. be what we brew tomorrow. Um, but we'll have uh, a English style bitter coming on soon. We've got a, a nice porter that we're ready to uh, break into this coming weekend. Uh, and a West Coast IPA also be on tap this weekend. Yeah, that West Coast is going to be. Uh, oh. It's my new favorite IPA. It's yeah, we, we awesome. tested we tested that tonight. It's a hot bomb. It's people who like IPAs are going to be really pleased. And I heard something about a raspberry wheat also. Yep. That's going to be the week after. Yeah, next weekend. It's All right. Awesome. Absolute, it's an absolutely pink beer. Bring your <laughs> wife. They're going to love it. All right. Now, one thing I love, to, I love about craft breweries, beyond, of course, drinking the beer and getting to try lots of new varieties, is the names that uh, brewers and tap rooms come up with for the beers. How much fun is it, Michael and Scott, I guess, coming up with names like Cattle Lantern? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's trying to keep with the theme. It's one of those things that we're kind of carefully treading the ground where you don't want to be, you don't want to be too corny and you don't want to be hitting it too hard on the head with the whole cat theme. But trying to do something, you know, that's a little irreverent, but fun, not vulgar. And then just trying to bring in some, you know, interesting things. Uh, it's actually a lot of fun coming up with the names, just doing some research on things and finding out different things about cats and how it relates it and pulling it back. Like Honest Abe's Tabby is actually because uh, Abraham Lincoln was the first American president to have cats in the White House. He had two cats. They were named Tabby and Dixie. And so that was kind of a homage to them because we were doing an American style traditional ale. Twisted Whiskers is just a fun little uh, play on words. We have a whole bunch of them. People are coming up now and they're giving me suggestions. What was it? Was it you, Scott, who came up with the Pale of Two Kitties? <laughs> you know, oh, I like that, it. That's a great one. We have our drinks are all cat themed. We have like Feline Frisky and uh, Black Cat Julep and Chat Noir. Yeah, it's, it's just fun coming up with different things. A lot of places do it like... Um, you know, they may name some after like movies or things that are local to their area. Just, you know, trying to pull that theme and uh, do a little research and come up with something interesting. Michael, a little birdie told me that you're a big fan of Ireland. Is that true? That's true. Yes. I've got tons of Irish in me. Uh, my mother was from County Cork. My father was from uh, Tyrone. And uh, I've been over there twice and I absolutely love it. It's great. We just went there, uh, I think it was about four years ago and took my daughter and uh, yeah, love it a lot. Love the culture, love the history. My father was very, very into Irish history, uh, into Irish music, was into everything Irish. He was actually the state president of the Ancient Order of Hibernians in New Jersey for several years, moved to North Carolina with my mom, and then actually started a chapter. And within, I don't know, like 18 months, was the state president of Ancient Order of Hibernians in North Carolina. So I think he's the only person 
within the ancient order of Hibernians who's been president in two different states in the United States. Wow. So guys, at this point, you're open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Is there a chance down the road that maybe you'll open Thursday nights also? Yes, uh, that's definitely in the plans. But we had some issues with the equipment that we originally got. So we weren't able to get all of our fermenters online. So we've only been operating at 50% capacity. But that's been resolved finally this week. And so we're going full bore, as, uh, as Scott was saying. Uh, we were discussing the upcoming beers, and we're going to be brewing straight through for the next three weeks so we can get those taps filled up. So uh, once that happens and we haven't, that we know we're comfortable with our supply, we don't want to run out. That's not a good look for a brewery. Yeah, we'll probably be uh, bringing you on Wednesdays and Thursdays uh, sometime late November, and we'll let people know. I'll drink to that. Uh, this was a blast, guys. Uh, if you're anywhere near it, folks, check out the Bitchin' Kitten Brewery on Bridge Street in Morrisville. You won't be disappointed. I promise you that. Michael, Tony, Scott, thanks for doing this, and I'll see you in the tap room. Thanks, Chet. Thank you so much. Hey, Chet, I got to tell you, that's, uh, that's cool. You know, uh, just, just the idea of the, the whole, I like the process. I don't know if the beer is any good or not. But you've it gone is. from you've gone from uh, brewing beer for fun in your bathtub, and now you're <laughs> and now you're running a business, uh, a, a real legitimate business. To me, is just really cool. Yeah, and all good guys, and I can't wait to get back there again this Saturday to try a, another couple of new ones. All right, good luck to them, and uh, just get out there and support the locals. That's what we always like to say, right? Absolutely. All right. Let's give a shout out to all the shows that will be live on Edge of Philly Sports Network this week, including this one. This episode is being streamed live across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. You can now also catch all the action on www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, like buttons, and as always, share with your family and friends. In addition to this great show, Check out our partners in Philly sports, including the Broad Street Bullies podcast is back. Jeff, Drew, and Doyle can be heard Friday, uh, Monday mornings at 9 a.m. talking all things Flyers. They also have a live remote coming up November 13th at 5 p.m. at 13th Child Brewery, 345 South Main Street, Monroe Town. And talk Flyers with guys. Edge of Philly sports live tonight. Join Joe, Freddie, and Big Al as they cover four for four and so much more Philly sports. Watch live Wednesdays. That's tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Birds IQ, Kyle and Eric Quinn are back. Catch them Thursday nights at 7 p.m. talking all things birds. I bet they got a lot to say tonight or Thursday night as, as well as the Edge of Philly guys tonight. Patterson Avenue Fanatics every Saturday. They always got a lot of good stuff to talk about. At 9 a.m. Saturday morning, wake up, have breakfast with the gang, TK, Marks, James, Dave, Paul, and Damon. Get your Philly sports talk on. And if you miss the show, no worries. Grab the podcast on all the major platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on all Philly sports by visiting eopsports.com. With great articles from a huge staff of contributors, subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You can sign up at eopsports.com. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good. Hey, 
Well, Chad, I'm not sure uh, how good Merle really thinks it is. I know he thinks our show is good, and we like oh, that, yeah. but I'm not sure how good he thinks Eagles football is right about now. That's for sure. He calls it like he, like he sees it, and right now, it ain't looking too good. <laughs> it, it's not. But, hey, speaking of not looking good, uh, I've been gone for a couple weeks, and uh, so I'm not really sure where we stand on our standings and how we did the last couple weeks. So bring me up to speed so we can uh, get – to move it on to the new ones. All right. We're getting behind schedule, so we're going to get through this quickly. Things are t- tightening up gr- uh, real much, Bill. Uh, I had a rough one and three week, week seven. You guys were both two and two. I'm clinging to the top spot, but clinging. 18 and 10. Boop is now just one game back at 17 and 11. You are two out at 16 and 10. I'm ready to make my move. Here we go. Let's go. Speaking of Boop, Bob Patrone Jr. has been our guest picker throughout the season, and uh, we appreciate that. So, Chet, I trust you have boots picks ready to go. So let's get this thing started with our throw-in game. Thursday night, 6-1 Packers visit the 7-0 Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals are six-and-a-half-point favorites in that. We got the Cowboys visiting the Vikings. Cowboys are minus two-and-a-half. The Washington football team's at Denver. The Broncos are minus three. Monday night football, the Giants at the Chiefs. Chiefs minus 10. And the Eagles go to Detroit. Uh, Eagles are minus three and a half. So let's have Boop's picks first, Chet. Then you go and I'll go last tonight. Who's All right. Have? Green Bay and Arizona, two of the five NFC East teams with one or fewer losses, Boop says, should be a dandy. But Arizona is the cream of the crop so far. Boop's pick is the Cardinals. And yeah, I'm going with Arizona too to stay undefeated. Yeah, and I'm not big on ever going against Aaron Rodgers, but uh, I think this Arizona team is pretty darn good, and I'm going to go with them at home as well, especially in primetime. All right. All right, Cowboys. Cowboys playing pretty good, Chet. Uh, They visit the Vikings. Cowboys, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Boop says, at this rate, the Cowboys will be clinching the NFC East before we all sit down for whatever we will call Thanksgiving dinner without a turkey. Turkeys are expensive this year and maybe hard to find. So I guess that's what boops mean there. Boop means uh, pick is the Cowboys. He says Dallas is going for a team record fifth straight game of 35 plus points. So the over 55 should be a slam dunk. Consider a higher alternative over, maybe even much higher. So he's expecting a lot of points. He likes the Cowboys and I have to pick Dallas as well. Yeah, I do too. I think they're, uh, they're playing good ball and until somebody slows them down, uh, they're going to keep winning. Yeah. All right. Washington at Denver. The Broncos minus three. Boop says these teams are a combined one and seven in October. That's not good. That one win was October 3rd. Washington's 34 to 30 escape against the Falcons. Boop says let's go with the home team and be done with it. That would be the Broncos. I agree again. Denver to win at home. Well, I got to make up a couple games, so I'm going to reach out and say the football team might actually win. I believe, I believe Washington's won two games and Denver's won three, so it's not that big of a reach. Uh, they're both no good, but yeah. I, I'm going to take Washington in that game because I got to make up some ground. You got it. Monday night football, Giants at the Chiefs, minus 10 by the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes not playing well. Yeah, and he's a little banged up. Someone's going to have to pay for the Chiefs' recent ills, Boop says, and it might as well be the Giants who own one of just two Andy Reid losses to the NFC East. He's 8-2 and since moving to the Heartland. That was back in 2017, an overtime loss in the Meadowlands. By the way, this will be over before Eli and Peyton get their first guest out of the way. 
And we can talk about that at some point. Eli and Peyton, great stuff on ESPN too. Absolutely. Anyway, Boop Boop says Kansas City easily. I say Kansas City as well. Me too. Me too. All right. Eagles, Lions in Detroit. The winless Lions, we should add. Eagles are three and a half point favorites in this game. Uh, yeah, I don't know why, but I mean, I guess somebody's got to be the favorite. Eagles... Not looking too great, but the Lions are winless. They are due, though, for a win, I would think, and they're going to look at this as a big opportunity. We'll see. The Eagles are 2-3 and three all-time on the road against teams 0-7 or worse. Think about that. They're 2-3 and all-time on the road against teams 0-7 <laughs> or worse. Hmm. And Nick Sirianni is still the coach, Boop says. But Detroit is 1-13 over its last 14 for a reason. Boop says the Eagles win this one. I say the Eagles somehow get it together and win a game. It might be ugly, but I'm picking the Eagles as well. It's going to be ugly, and I'm going to pick the Lions. Oh! Uh, I just... Yeah. There's just... The Lions actually played good the other day for a while. Yeah, they, they just ran out of gas. <clears throat> I'm going to I'm going to reach out, and it's a reach, but uh, I never pick against the Eagles. But they're just not doing anything to show me that they can win. You win those two games that you pick differently, and you're tied for first. And uh, doing it me, with so. the Lions and the Redskins, that's the, or, or the football team. That, yeah, that's not that's not likely to happen. But anyway, uh, that's where we go. Hey, don't forget to check out Bob Patron Jr.'s website, boopstats.com, for all your all kinds of betting information and all kinds of other just cool sports stuff. I got a correction for you. I think he wants you to check out his Twitter page at BoopStats because the BoopStats.com website hasn't been updated in like two years. So oh, don't don't go to that. You can check out bettersinsider.com, which he's still a part of, and his Twitter page at BoopStats. So there you oh, go. Okay. That must have came up when I was gone. Good deal. Yeah, probably. All right. Hey, great guest tonight at Keith Collin and the boys at Bitchin' Kitten Brewery. Uh, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week, Jet? Tough to say bitchin' kitten after a few yeah, of these. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I do want to look up and see where that name came from. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, next week, Bill, we have a first-timer joining us. We love having newcomers join us. She just joined the Inquirer and Daily News in early September. She's working alongside our pal Keith Pompey in covering the Sixers. She is this young lady. It's Gina Mizell. And we're going to talk a little 76ers basketball with her. We will also have a second guest to talk Eagles. And in fact, I just confirmed that today. It's our pal Kevin Riley back with us. He'll talk about the Eagles' great performance against the Lions, we hope. Kevin Riley and Gina Mizell. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of Kevin's, and we'll hear what Gina's got to say. You, you throw me for a little loop, though, Chet. You're bringing on a Sixers guest, a guest and I am not going to say that name. It's going to be hard to do for 20 minutes. I'll, I'll handle all the Simmons questions. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good deal. Hey, the Flyers off to a 2-1-1 one, one start. They've really only played one bad period where they gave up four goals in the second period of that game. They ended up losing in a shootout. Played pretty well overall. Scoring some goals this year. Then That looks improved. Uh, are you watching hockey so far? Or are you waiting until January 2022 like uh, you have in the past? I'm going back to the wait till January mode. I haven't seen much more than uh, maybe about 30 minutes total of actual live Flyers action this year. Uh, but as you said, they haven't played that badly. They had that one awful period uh, when Hart gave up four goals. 
Uh, played Florida tough over the weekend, but lost the Panthers. are just playing some great hockey right now. Uh, Cam Atkinson and some of the other new guys looking good from what I have seen and read. So, yeah, I, I'm optimistic. Hart playing better than he did last year, certainly. So, uh, tough West Coast trip coming up. I think they start tonight. Is that right? Yes, 10 o'clock. Yeah, West Coast trip. So, maybe we'll stay up late and watch a little hockey because, uh, you know, hey, I got the time. So, why not? Yeah, that, that's all I have. Western Canada for three. Ah, I've yeah. never been to Western Canada, and if all goes well, I will never get there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, by the way, Claude Giroux, three goals in the first four games, too. Off to a good start. That's good. Yeah, to see. who said he's washed up? That's good to see. Chet, real fast, World Series, game one. The Atlanta Braves came out hammering the baseball. Uh, they're up one game to none in the World Series. Who's going to win this thing? Don't know. Don't care, Bill. You know why? Because... I'm squeezing in a random chet. That's why. No way. No <laughs> way. Who knew? Through the, I, you didn't know. I just threw this together this morning, Bill. So uh, I'm going to talk about something Halloween related. Um, you know, I was thinking about my favorite Halloween related or spooky songs. And I came up with a list of my absolute favorites. Out of more than 100 or so possibilities, I put together a top 13 spooky songs list. Now, among the ones in the 6 through 13 area would be Black Sabbath's song, Black Sabbath, Donovan's Season of the Witch, uh, Rob Zombie's Dragula, Santana's version of the Fleetwood Mac song, yeah, early Fleetwood Mac, Black Magic Woman, and, of course, Bobby Boris Pickett's classic Monster Mash. But I'm going to put my uh, top 13 up here and tell you about my top five. My top five are, in, of course, reverse order, Alice Cooper's I Love the Dead. There are about a half dozen or more Alice Cooper songs that I considered, but that one always fascinated me. Number four, Michael Jackson's Thriller. We all remember the video from that one. Number three, the late, great Warren Zevon with Werewolves of London. Number two, Creedence doing... Bad Moon Rising, and at number one, released 30 years ago this past summer, Metallica's Enter Sandman, Off to Never Never Land. And there you go, Bill. Those are my favorite Halloween or spooky songs. What do you think? There you go. There's some good ones. There's some good ones. Good, th good throw together by uh, a random chat <laughs> in the last minute. Now, who's yeah. going to win the World Series? Uh, I'm rooting for the Braves, and that pains me to say that because of the whole Astros cheating thing a few years back. The Braves are in our, and I mean the Phillies division. They're a good team, and I like what they've done. I like the way they put things together with, you know, handling the injuries at mid-year, picking up a couple of great additions. Uh, I got to go with the Braves, and I'm even rooting for them, much as that pains me to say. Yeah, I think they're going to win too. And how about, how about Charlie Morton, who was on the scrap heap for the Phillies a handful of years ago, and he's the ace, got hurt last night Yeah, uh, on the mound. Yeah, he pitched, what, three games for the Phillies at the start of the year and never again. And then he's kind of, you know, re reclaimed everything. And all of a sudden, oh, he's yeah, great you know, he ended up in years. Tampa Bay with the Rays when they went yeah. uh, went to the World Series. So he's, he's bounced he's around a winner. well. He all is right. a winner. Um, parting shot tonight? Uh, I'm not going to do a parting shot because I just did the late random chat. But I want to ask you a couple of real quick questions. Go ahead. Uh Ray Fossey, your reaction to us losing Ray Fossey a few weeks oh, ago. Oh, terrible, you know, and I think uh, as you saw all the quotes come in from around baseball and around anybody that just knew Ray, nothing but great comments. And uh, I think you and I had a had a great few visits with him. Uh, but even better than that, and you weren't there, uh, was me and uh, Ambrose and Ray 
had about an hour long chat before we ever had him on the show. It was the night before we had him on the show, just the three of us talking for an hour, talking baseball. And I mean, he is a, he's a baseball encyclopedia and a, a great loss to the game. That's for sure. I remember you telling me about that night. And yeah, that, that did sound fantastic. And, and we got into the whole Pete Rose thing that night too, which we, you know, he didn't want to talk about on the show. Right. We had a quite lengthy conversation about that. That was good. And of course, we lost Dennis Franks, which was sad. But on a happier note, you finally, finally, Bill, five or six years into it, got to see Tommy and me, and you loved it. I did. I did. It was a great show. Uh, got to see Ray uh, there as well. Uh, really good. Really good. Really well done. Uh, you know, kind of a simple story, which you knew most of the story, but there were some things in there that I certainly didn't know. Uh, I didn't know that Ray didn't tell Tommy until on the yeah. stage, you know, right behind the stage at the hall of fame, um, which was really cool. And the other thing that you might not know Chet, because this came up in the Q and a after the show, uh, someone to question, uh, to the cast that when the lead man who played, um, Ray read the speech that Ray wrote that Tommy never used. Right. The first time Tommy ever heard that speech was that night when he was in the oh, audience. Wow. Then he was in the audience. He came How jumping out of the out of the seats and ran up to the stage. <laughs> he had never heard the the actual speech that Tommy wrote for him until sitting in the theater, whatever it's been, 1998, right? Whatever and it was yeah, 20 years ago. 20 years later was the first time he ever heard that speech. That was really cool. Certainly didn't know that. Glad you finally got to see it, and uh, they're going to do it again next year. Ray kind of alluded to that today on WIP, that they're almost certainly going to do it again next year. I'm going to go see it again next year. Yeah, yeah. well, if I'm up that way, I'm going to go too. It was it was well worth seeing, and I'd see it all the time if I could. Very good. Wrap it up, Bill. We say happy 75th birthday to Pat Sajak, and we conclude by celebrating National American Beer Day. Thank All you, right, let's thank tonight's <laughs> special guest, Keith Conlin, Bitchin' Kitten Brewery, Michael Cross, and Tony Caselli, and Scott Wills. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Get Well Dave Lavoie at Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Bill Furman and Jim Chetchesco, we hope you had a good show, enjoyed it. And we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, November 3rd at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook. Listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com. On blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressbox. On all the Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and every other podcast. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Let's do the song. Come on.